Love Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that was harder to live. Here's your host, Shimo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 104 today here on a Sunday, Easter Sunday here, March 27, 2016. And for those of you enjoying the holiday uh, with your family, with friends, at church, wherever it need be, uh, we're here for you uh, here on the Hooper's Log. If you want to get more in-depth on the world of basketball, this is why we're here. This will be our last weekend show of the 2015-2016 season because we're just all we're doing today is recapping what happened yesterday in the Elite Eight. Obviously, two unbelievable games. One of the games was unbelievable from the standpoint of an individual performance. The other one was just a fantastic game, a big upset, one that tore my bracket up. I don't know about you, but my bracket is making that ripping sound. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what I've been doing to my bracket right there, just, you know, getting it all ripped up and is done as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Kansas losing to Villanova. We'll talk about that more in a moment here on the Hooper's Log. Um, but again, for those of you enjoying the day uh, of Easter, and if you're listening to the podcast here late, uh, thank you again for listening. If you're listening live, you truly are a trooper and you truly are a diehard basketball person because this is a day where, again, we understand if you're busy, we understand if you're, if you're with family and if you're away from your from your radio, we totally understand, but we're here to give you the the inside of what happened yesterday in the world of basketball. We have someone on the line. I believe this is Jonathan. Is this Jonathan? It's Andrew. Andrew, gosh. See, okay, here's, here's a problem, Andrew. You you guys have similar phone numbers, and it's, like, oddly eerie, so I don't know. But Andrew's up. Andrew is away. I am. I'm in a ton of pain. Way more than I thought I was going to be on day three of recovery. Um, but I am here. I am eating a, or I just finished a good breakfast and uh, happy Easter. How you doing, Chris? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Well, you know, uh, Jesus rose from the dead for us, and uh, he rose for your pain that you feel today. And uh, without that, you know, you wouldn't be living, right? Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> hey, it's that's what some people are doing today, uh, and I just figured I'd throw in a little religious uh, thing in there. Uh, obviously, that didn't work. Uh, okay, so uh, let's move on. <laughs> And talk about. And let's move on and talk about the. Uh, and, and that's not to bash religion. I'm a, I am a believer of God. Uh, if you don't, no problem. There's no problem here. This is America. Believe in what you want. You can believe that a cyborg is, uh, is is your God. That's totally fine with me. Anyway, let's go into what happened today. Or excuse me, yesterday in the world of basketball, Kevin Hart kick it off for. Us. All right, all right, all right. We're gonna learn today. We're recapping the Elite Eight. 
And if you'd like to call in, please feel free to do so. The phone number is 323-642-1558 here in the SeatGeek studios on CLNS Radio for episode 104 here on Easter Sunday, recapping yesterday's games in the Elite Eight. And first of all, let's just, let's just get it out in the open and let's just, let's just make it known right now. If you watch this game between Oklahoma and Oregon yesterday and you don't believe that Buddy Heald is going to be a superstar in the NBA, you need, to get, you need to get your facts straight. This guy last night put on a show on national television in front of the country, and he absolutely went bonkers. Look, 37 points is, is – I mean, you talk about guys in the past that we've talked about, guys like Kevin Durant, guys like Adam Morrison. No, I'm not going to sit here and say Buddy Heald's Adam Morrison. He's way better than Adam Morrison, way more talented than Adam Morrison. But when it comes to – his ability to really lift his team. Look, Oregon was a very, very formidable team, uh, you know, in this tournament. And with how they've been playing and with how they've been dominating team, I mean, they just absolutely crushed Duke the other night. And don't get me wrong, Duke had a couple of great players in Brandon Ingram and Grayson Allen. And Brandon Ingram is one of those guys who could have easily done what Buddy Heald did tonight. But Buddy Heald, or last night, Buddy Heald – 37 points on 13 of 20 from, from the field, 8 of 13 from 3. You talk about a guy who just flat out carried this team. And, like, I mean, literally, like, you know, Isaiah Cousins had, had 11 points, Woodard had 13, but the rest did nothing. And he just flat out destroyed the Oregon defense. And, and, and that's saying something considering they had a guy like Cook who had 24 points. Uh, he also had a guy in Boucher who had 14 points and 10 rebounds. Buddy Heal, and this wasn't even a close game. I mean, 80 to 68 does not do the justice of what this game was at one point. It was a 20 point game for a majority of the time, and Buddy Heald was literally on, was white hot. He was white hot. Like, he was, you couldn't see him. He was so hot. I mean, it was ridiculous how hot this guy was from the field yesterday, and, and he really, truly, truly boosted, in my opinion, his status in the NBA draft for, for a performance like this on national television in a clutch moment. To do what he did in, 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 the, in the graces of the tournament on, on, you know, basically two nights, you know, prior they played a game and then they play again the next day against one of the best teams in the nation in Oregon. You got to give props to a guy like this, it, really carrying his team against the team who dominated Duke the night before, you know, a couple nights before with, you know, really one or two talented players on their team. This was the only real, you know, true NBA, uh, true NBA talent who could do something big in the NBA. And he showed, out on, on one of the biggest stage you possibly could to get his team to the final four. Andrew, what's your take on this game? And obviously what's the take on Buddy Heald? I mean, this is just, this is just an unbelievable bas- unbelievable basketball player. I mean, he's – the first time I really got to watch him was when he went nuts against Kansas. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's something where – it's just it's unbelievable to watch. And when I was filling out my bracket, I picked Oklahoma simply because of Buddy Heald. The fact that I think yeah. this guy can go out and score 40 points in a championship game, you know, when the rest of his team isn't showing up. Um, it, it was it, – it's a performance that you watch and you're just like, this guy can do this every game. Like, it didn't even yeah. look – like, it was impressive, but if you get what I'm saying, it didn't even look like it was hard for him. You know, it looked like it just came. It just came to him. Like it, I mean, this, this dude on the year, and this isn't something uncommon. On the year, this dude's no. taking nine threes a game and making forty six and a half percent of them. 
He's shooting over 50% from the field when over half his shots are three-pointers. 88% from the free-throw line. The guy just knows how to put the ball in the basket, and that's what you need in March. You need a guy who can just say, okay, we're not losing this game. And from the first minute to the last minute, Buddy Heald said, we're not losing this game. And he he took a lot of shots, but I did not see one ill-advised shot the entire game. It was a perfectly played game by Buddy Heald. Um, the only thing I would change, and I'm not nitpicking, is that zero yeah. assists I see. No matter what, that's always going to bother me, zero assists and six turnovers. But it, it, in this case, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't. Uh, this guy is your player of the year. Um, if anybody else won player of the year, it's a, it's an absolute shame. I, it, I got an update yesterday. It's the first player to uh, be in the top three in the, for scoring in the nation and make the final four since, like, the 80s. Um, yeah. He's unreal, man. He is he is unreal. And it's, it's something that I'm really excited to see go to the pros. Now, the problem I keep having as far as the him and the pros conversation right. is – I, you know, I think he's going to be a really good pro, and I'd take him in the top five. But I think about the fact, what if Ben Simmons played in, in college till he was 22? What would a 22-year-old oh. Ben Simmons no. have in college? Like 30, 15, and 10? What yes. would a 22-year-old Brandon Ingram average in college? So so those thoughts keep going through my brain, but it's like sure. he got you know what I'm saying? He wasn't good yeah. and then just turned completely good. So now he's going to be improving off of it. Um, so I I keep having that thought. I do think he'll be a very, very good NBA player, and whatever team gets him is going to have one of those players who probably I think can come in and average 18 points his rookie year. But exactly. That's the thought that keeps running through my head. I wanted to get your take on that. I know you think he's going to be a superstar, but does that kind of worry you at all, the fact that he's 22 and – you know, who knows how much more room he has to grow compared to the other guys. Well, look at guys like, you know, and then you bring up a good point that he has been in college for a long time. And, yes, I, when you when you brought up the, the, the uh, 22-year-old Ben Simmons, uh, he might be averaging, yeah, he might be averaging Oscar Robertson numbers uh, in his senior year if he were to play. Uh, then you brought up, you know, another name in Brandon Ingram. But then I started thinking, you know, Imagine a 22-year-old Kevin Durant in college. Uh, that wouldn't. Be, that would not be. That, that would. Uh, I mean, I think. I think he might break college basketball if he did that. Like he actually might break the sport if he would have. He would have averaged 40 points a game. I don't think it would have been. A, it would have been a far stretch. He well, would have had everything old, working. 22-year-old Kevin Durant averaged 28 points a game in the pros. <laughs> uh, see, that's 40 points a game in college. Easy. 21-year-old. I mean, 21-year-old Kevin Durant averaged. 30 points a game in the pros. Right. Exactly. So it, 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 he would have broken the NBA. I mean, it, it would have been that simple. guy like Russell Westbrook would have broken the – you imagine Russell Westbrook – you imagine Russell Westbrook in his senior year. Um, imagine Russell Westbrook in his senior year if he would have played all the way through college. That would have been stupid too. Um, it's, just, um, it's just you have like – I think certain players – I think certain players mature quicker when it comes to their talent. And I think Buddy Heald, a lot like in, in your brand, I was going to bring up this example before you started naming those names off. Uh, uh, Damian Lillard, he played at Weber State, and he played a long career in college. You had uh, C.J. McCollum played a long career in college. And look at where they're at now in the NBA. They're playing at a very, very high level, and they're playing very well, uh, playing long in college. I mean, obviously players in the past, like Grant Hill, players in the past, like Michael Jordan. Granted, Michael Jordan didn't play all four years, but he played three years. 
Um, you have guys who have played long careers in, in college basketball over the years who have played very well in the pros. Now, have they been, you know, obviously as great as LeBron or as great as, you know, as great as uh, Kevin Durant or as great as, no, no, they haven't. But, 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 but when it comes to, you know, past history, guys who have played Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan, four years at Wake Forest, greatest power forward of all time. No one will debate that. I mean, yeah, you could say Charles That's Barkley was great too, but Charles, but Charles Barkley played a fantastic. You know, he played. He played a long time at Auburn as well. I think I believe I believe he played three years. If I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, you got guys who who played long careers in in the in college basketball, and they get into the pros, and they just they just figure it out. I think Buddy Heald, like we've said, like you said, if he doesn't win Player of the Year. It's an absolute travesty. But this guy has is as Figured, I think he's figured out his game, and I think his game is very comparable to the way the NBA is played now. Now, if he was playing this way three, four years ago when the Miami Heat were doing what they're doing, I think he would just kind of be an oddity and seen as an oddity. But the way the game is played now, very outside-driven, mid-range-driven, and from time to time building your game from outside in, he's one of those players that can do that. And knowing that he can do that, on top of playing on one of the biggest levels in college basketball in the Big 12 – uh, now he's going to be going to the now he's going to be going to the final four. Um, I, I think that this guy is game is perfectly timed for today, and he can he can play from outside in. And knowing that he can play from outside in, that is a very lethal combination heading into the NBA. Where you know realistically, he's walking in with a bunch of guys either his age or just a little bit younger, and and he I think is going to step right in. Like you said, average 18 points a game. Probably start off the bench depending upon the team he plays for. He may or may not start. And he should be a pretty comparable rookie. And down the road should be a guy who averages 25, 26 a game if he figures it out. I mean, and that's not, that's not being all outlandish at all. This guy has grown into his game and grown into how he plays. And I think that when he gets into the NBA, like we've said, off the bench or starting, he's going to be a guy who's going to immediately be able to give you some impact scoring the basketball, whether it's outside, inside. He can shoot free throws pretty well. I mean, he's a very, very, very solid scorer. Now, offensively, defensively, obviously, like you mentioned, which is, which is also make, makes it more fascinating. This guy didn't have an assist. And college basketball is built off of, obviously, the team concept way more than the NBA. I mean, you talk about, obviously, great teams win titles in the NBA. But when it comes to uh, college basketball and how you win in college basketball, you can have a great individual player but you still have to have a good team concept to go far in the tournament. I mean, look at, like we mentioned, Kevin Durant in his rookie year. That team did not do well in the tournament. You mentioned teams like Adam Morrison. You know, their teams never did well in the tournament. Granted, it was Gonzaga, but still. Uh, obviously, J.J. Redick didn't, uh, didn't play really well in the tournament because he was the only guy on his team back in the day. And you bring up those examples, and individuals don't necessarily care. This guy did it. And that's where, it, that's where you have to step back and say, if he can do this in the, in college against you know a bunch of guys who are playing you know fundamental defense and, and working their tail, and it wasn't just a, a generic team. This was this was Oregon who shut down Duke. I mean, who listen to that? Shut down Duke, who had two players similar to Buddy Heald when it came to talent, and they just got ran down by. But like that's all you need to know. And defense doesn't necessarily take a night off. And, it, you know, your, your, your shooting performance can, offense can, but defense doesn't you know, generally, especially in college basketball. And, and Buddy Heald came out and had one of those games, like we mentioned, for the record books and for and a night that we will never forget from the standpoint of just, an, I mean, a really, truly unbelievable stuff. I expected this team to get to the Final Four, but for them to do it in the way they've done it with Buddy Heald truly putting the team on their back, I thought they would all step up and play pretty well. And for the most part, they, they have for, 
for the most part. But but last night was an example of this guy truly, I mean, really getting the backpack of his team and just and just carrying them all the way to the final four. Anything else you want to say before we go to the next game, Andrew? He's unreal, and I I'm I just hope to God say that on Easter, but I don't really care. I I hope to God that he doesn't go to the Philadelphia 76ers and get absolutely ruined. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree with you. I mean, if he did, and that's that's the and that's the thing. If he goes to a bad organization, that's going to absolutely kill. You know, you know what team he would look really good in, and I know it's because we're on CLNS radio here through Boston programming, but, man, if he went to the Celtics, oh, my God. They would have they would have their big-name score. They would have their big-name score. Now, I think he would be a they lot like that. They have their big-name score. What, Isaiah Thomas? He's not big. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, averaging, he's, he's big. He's Curry numbers. That, he, in the month of March, he's averaging one less point than Steph Curry. I know. I know. He's playing well, but at the same time, Andrew, you know when we get to the postseason, Isaiah Thomas is going to get shut down by the best defender because he's a small guy. If he was, if Isaiah Thomas was legit, like legitimately six inches taller, maybe a foot taller than he is, I would agree with you, but this dude's tiny. I mean, this guy is very, very tiny, and that kind of that kind of – if that's your go-to guy in the postseason, that is pretty tough to rely upon. Now, if he does something great in, in, the, in, the, in, playoff, in the playoffs and they go deep, then I'll shut my mouth, but – you know, I just I've seen it enough times where the small guys don't necessarily play the best basketball in 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 the uh, in in a uh, in the playoff time. So, but but if Buddy Heald comes into that team and he can come off the bench and provide them, like you said, with 18, 20 points a game, or even start and provide them with 18, 20 points, I don't think he would start on the Celtics. But you get what I'm saying. If he can come in and provide that boost, that would be a giant. And and it's and it's and the reason why I say that is because the Nets have that pick. That they have the Nets pick. The Celtics do. And if they can get that pick. And they can get a guy like Buddy Heald. What a what a perfect guy to bring onto a team that has the perfect chemistry, the perfect room, and and a, and a guy like uh and a guy like Brad Stevens who knows what it's like to have one guy out of college who was very good and and really utilize him in a team atmosphere, and a guy like Gordon Hayward. I mean, you would find Buddy Heald is very comparable to Gordon Hayward at least when it comes to talent. And when you talk about those kind of guys, he knows how to utilize them the correct way. And I, and I just feel like that would be the perfect fit for him when it came to uh, off-the-bench scoring and immediate. So that's uh, that's all we got on that game. Uh, that was the first game of the, of the Elite Eights uh, over the weekend here on Saturday night. And the next game, which I think this is – and this is what I was talking about. This is the game that really tore up everyone's bracket. I mean, my bracket's done. Outside of today with, uh, with, with the games uh, between – you know, we'll, we'll break them down in a little bit. But outside of uh, getting UNC into the Final Four, I have – I, my bracket's done. It's it's over because of this game today. Villanova last night. Villanova won sixty four to fifty nine over Kansas. Yes, Rock Chalk Jayhawk got beat, and they're out of the tournament. Shocking enough. I mean, Villanova. This is the first time they've been to the Final Four in a very long time, and uh, for them to beat Kansas the way they did, holding Perry Ellis, a guy like a guy who's really been a big uh, a big force on their team, four points in his final his final college basketball game. Uh, Wayne Selden Jr. only had 16 points. He had a pretty good game, but only 16 points. Uh, you know, uh, Graham at 17. This, this, this Kansas team was shut down just flat out, 59 points. Think about that. This team was dominating teams in the tournament, playing the way we know they usually play, and they just absolutely got shut down. Four guys in double figures for Villanova, and late down the stretch, Kansas could not close out the ball game. I mean, and the crazy thing is, is really Villanova that made them not play their game. I mean, Parallelis had four turnovers. The team Kansas had 16 turnovers overall. They shot 
horribly from three, 27%. 46 from the field is not a horrible stat, but the 16 turnovers is what's going to crush you late in ball games. Villanova didn't shoot well either, but they managed to only hold themselves under, under 10 turnovers, which is nine turnovers in the game, and they found a way to just get it done and, and eke out the victory. Again, 64-59, they'll go on and play Oklahoma in the Final Four next Saturday. Andrew, what was your take from this ball game, and what did you see from Kansas that prevented them from getting the victory? Well, first of all, all your guys' brackets got busted. That game probably just won me our our tournament challenge group. Um, <laughs> about seventy five percent of you guys had uh who do you, uh Kansas winning it. So now most of you guys have zero teams remaining, zero final four teams, uh, or just Oklahoma and then Oklahoma losing to Kansas. So most of you guys have zero points possible remaining. While me, I have 480 possible points remaining. And I would be shocked if anybody but Oklahoma won this tournament, but it is March. So that game more than likely won me, won me our bracket challenge. So I'm going to go ahead and congratulate myself ahead of time and say we are the champions. Um, on the game, it was it was a fantastic game. This is exactly how a two versus one should go. Just normally it would be the one coming out on top. But Villanova showed they're no joke. They're not that team that choked back to back years in the playoffs or in the in the first weekend. They are a legit contender for this championship, and, and Oklahoma needs to prepare for them just like their Kansas. Um, they, they're a team that could go on and they could win this whole thing. Uh, Jay Wright's got them playing fantastic, uh, and they they showed exactly what they can do. When they went out, they beat the team that everybody thought was winning the whole thing. You mentioned all the important stats, the turnovers, the three-point percentage, the stuff that makes one seed their higher seed lose in this tournament. Kansas fit the script completely. That really, they played an awful game that only lost by five. Um, right. And it's just it was it was amazing. It, Villanova did exactly what they have to do. They have shed that choke label, and now they are going to the Final Four as probably the second best team to beat. They might have jumped North Carolina at this point. Yeah, they may have. I mean, Villanova has been playing pretty. I mean, really, really good. They have been dominating teams over the last couple of days. But Kansas losing the way they did again, very shocking. Uh, as, you, as you've said in the past, they've found ways to choke away games. And now, granted, they didn't choke this game away. Getting to the Elite Eight, you're not choking. You're just you're just playing really good teams at this point, and if you lose, it happens. Um, it, choking in the tournament as a large seed is usually in the first weekend or, or, or in the Sweet 16. If you're a, a one seed and you don't make it to the Elite Eight, you've choked. It's just that simple. Uh, if you make it to the Elite Eight and lose, it happens. Now, the games today, for example, are not – now, if the one seeds don't win today, it is definitely a choke job in my opinion. Look, Virginia should not lose to Syracuse. Let's just break them down. Virginia should not lose to Syracuse, flat out. Like, they should beat Syracuse. Syracuse can beat them, but it, it, Virginia shouldn't lose to that game. I mean, that should be an automatic victory for them. They should win by 10, 15 points. Uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina, look, Notre Dame is a very – is a great story getting to the Elite Eight. Awesome, awesome story there. But North Carolina is clearly more talented than Notre Dame and a team that is just that is on a mission to get to the to get to the national championship. I think they're going to face uh, Oklahoma in the national championship, to be honest with you. It's going to be North Carolina and Oklahoma, it looks like at this point, for me at least. I know Villanova could easily beat Oklahoma, as we've mentioned. Or, excuse me, Oklahoma could easily beat Villanova. 
uh, or excuse me, Villanova could easily beat Oklahoma. God, all these names are so similar. Um, but that could happen, and you could see Villanova play. But out of these four teams playing today in the Elite Eight, going two of them are going to go to the Final Four. I think North Carolina has the best chance on this side of the bracket to really, you know, get there. I mean, uh, Jonathan and I said it a couple days ago, uh, you know, between Indiana and North Carolina, that game I think would have decided who was going to go deep the rest of the way in the tournament. Don't sleep on Virginia. Obviously, they're a one seed for a reason. But for what they've done in college basketball, I think obviously, as we know, they're one of the they're one of the, the kind of lower, you know, understanding one seeds in the tournament. They're just kind of – they're kind of there because they were in the ACC. And what's funny is, is today – you know, on Easter Sunday, uh, it, all of the ACC is representing today in the Elite Eight. Like four teams in the Elite Eight today are all SEC, are all ACC. If you want to just, if you're an ACC homer and you love watching the ACC, just watch today's games on TBS because that's all that is is going on. It's so it's frustrating from that perspective. But at the same time, you know, hey, look, we got Virginia, Syracuse, three o'clock Pacific, uh, six p.m. Eastern, and then we have Notre Dame, North Carolina, around nine p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and so, Andrew, what do you see from today's games between all these ACC teams fighting for a Final Four spot? You know, I kind of have this hunch that one of these low seeds is going to win. Um, and if it yeah. happens, I really hope it's Syracuse, man. I think yeah. this team did not deserve to be in the tournament whatsoever. On top of that, they got the easiest route to an Elite Eight afterwards I've ever seen. And yeah. if they beat Virginia, this is a 10 seed. Like I yeah. said, should not have been in the tournament in the Final Four. Um, so maybe right. they're just a team of destiny that's meant to go to the Final Four. I doubt it, but I kind of got a hunch that one of them is going to win. I think Notre Dame-North Carolina is going to be a good game. Notre Dame's playing their best ball the whole year. Um, every yeah. time they've fallen back, they've, they've played perfect basketball and got back into the game and obviously ended up winning it. Um, so I think that's that's going to be the game of the day. I think you're going to see like an 82 to 79 score or something like that. Um, and, yeah. and then you know Virginia is probably going to blow out Syracuse, but see, it is March. Um, it, it's all going to depend on how Malcolm Brogdon plays. That guy's special. Exactly. That guy is the guy who, if Virginia wants to win a championship, it has to be through him. Uh, and I guess we'll just see. I guess you know it, it's really hard to to predict these games simply because it's March. And I know that's kind of weak, exactly. but, I mean, we, we've seen it before. We don't know how – when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, we don't know how they're going to prepare for these games if they were out late the night before. Um, right. Let's see, they're in Chicago and Philly. I mean, those probably aren't exactly places you want to go out late at night, but it, it's not – you know, I'm just sure there's still a bunch of places to party, especially for these – you know, college students who aren't, you know, they're not getting babysat by their coaches. Their coaches are no. probably in bed at 9 o'clock at night. You know, it's – so we'll we'll see who – in both of the games, I'd say whoever comes out and starts – whoever gets the five points first wins the game, okay? That I think yeah. it's going to be one of those games you're going to see the winner right from the start because they're going to come out more prepared, they're going to come out ready, and they're going to blow them away. It, 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 it not blown away score wise, but at least effort wise, and you know just preparation. Keep the lead. They'll keep the lead, basically. Right. Yeah, and I think that'll be the case too. I think this is a night, a day where you're going to see that. And plus, all these teams have played each other. I mean, Syracuse and Virginia have played each other this year multiple times. Notre Dame and North Carolina have played each other multiple times. These teams have seen each other all year long. 
And yeah, it's been about a month since they've all seen each other, obviously in their tournaments and, and uh, during the regular season. But I mean, it, this is, and this is, you bring up a good point. If you want to see, if you like, if you want to see Syracuse, you want to see Syracuse beat Virginia. What's fascinating is, and, and, and really kind of what, what kind of slaps the committee in the face is if Syracuse does get to the final four, I mean, it'll just go to show you that. Um, I think we lost Chris. Um, I don't know where he was going with that. Sorry about that. As as he was saying, you know, I was going to actually disagree with the point I think he was going to make. I think this just shows shows that the committee really knows what they're talking about, and they're in a great place simply because, uh, you know, you're seeing the team that everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't be in, they shouldn't be in, make it to the final four. Um, Chris, are you back? Nope, as he always says, how about the the towers and whatnot out there in Washington aren't exactly the best. Um, but let's let's just get on to my gloating. Let's see the people who could beat me. I want to say Chris right now in the group is he's in first with 630 points. Now I'm 100 points back, but I'm the only person who has the champion picked as Oklahoma. Everybody else either at Kansas. Michigan State, Indiana, or West Virginia. So I have 480 possible points remaining. My mom is next with 240 possible points remaining. Then Chris and three other people are tied with 80 points remaining, and then the rest have a zero. So you're looking at me coming back. I'm in sixth place right now, 100 points behind Chris. Even if – even if he's perfect, and even if I'm not perfect, I probably just won myself a Hooper's Log Championship, and I get the prize of coming on the show. Maybe we'll give it to this guy in second place overall. Um, you know, maybe not. We'll have to decide. Um, here, let me see if this works for Chris real quick. Chris, you there? All right, well, I guess I'm going to start the outro here. If you see, if Chris, if you get back, just start making weird noises. I'll, I'll know to stop it. This is the 104th episode, you guys. I am back from the dead. The gallbladder is completely out. Um, I, I'm not feeling much better, to be honest. I'm just going to sit in my chair. I'm going to play TK all day. Um, I'm not going to end the episode yet. I am going to hang up, but this is going to stay on just in case Chris has anything left to say. You can edit it for the podcast and get the blank space out. Um, but for Chris and for myself, like I said, episode 104, happy Easter no matter any which way you celebrate it. And as I say every time, peace.
It's going to rain. I don't know why that happened. Um, again, I, I, living out here in the Pacific Northwest is very frustrating. Your phone line will be great. Everything will be working. And the next thing you know, it'll just go dead on you. It just it happens every single time. And I told you this before the season began and during the season that my phone line will drop from time to time. That's just how it is here. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Obviously, Andrew was just back on the line. I don't know what's going on. Andrew is now back. Yay. Technical difficulties. Woo. Um, we'll just have but, to uh, an Andrew, part where I end the show. <laughs> yeah, if, right. I don't even know what's going on. It's just anyway. I was anything you want to say more about college basketball before we move on to the NBA? Well, hello. Okay. Well, okay, more, more technical difficulties because I'm clicking the breaking news clip and nothing's happening. Um, I was gonna make a really funny yeah. joke that you were all gonna laugh at. There we go. Chris's phone isn't working again. <laughs> right, right. That, was uh, uh, ding, ding, ding. that you all were going to laugh at. Um, sure. But obviously the technical difficulties and nothing else ruined that. Wah, wah. Well, it is Easter Sunday, so you never know what could happen here on the Hooper's Log. But anyway, uh, going back to uh, – I was talking about the NBA, and I was talking about, you know, the, the, the big story from last night, you know, as my phone keeps on pooping. Um the Thunder absolutely blew out the Spurs. And I brought up the point, Andrew, where, look, I know this Spurs team is 61-12. and 12. I'm not going to sit here and, and really nitpick at their season because, really, 61-12 and 12 at this point in time of the year is just flat-out crazy and historic. But at the same time, there is something to be said about their away record. Look, I mean, and, and it's not to, to nitpick, again, but it's just the fact. 24-12 and 12 is very good, but at the same time, 12 losses on the road for a normal team for a normal team, they have like maybe five losses at home. This team would be a, you know, a 55, 60 win team if they had those kind of losses. And that's great. But when you lose 12 games on the road with, you know, against teams like the Thunder, against teams like the, the Warriors, against teams like the, like the, like the Cavs or teams like that, you lose against good teams on the road. That, that might show you that if this team doesn't, doesn't, you know, win, don't go undefeated at home in the playoffs, which, is very rare, first of all, because if this team doesn't go undefeated on the, you know, at home in the playoffs, then that means that they're going to lose to a team like the Warriors because the Warriors can beat them on the road, obviously playing in Golden State. So it it just turns into that this pressure of getting the, the home court advantage. It looks like it's not going to happen now, but if they don't play well on the road and they struggle at home in a game or two, this team could find themselves out, you know, maybe in the second round of the postseason, and that's not the you know, when they play like this on the road and get absolutely dominated, and I know that they rested most of their starters. I know that nobody really played. But to get blown out like that, and I know Russell Westbrook went off again, 29 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, crazy stats. Um, but, again, just to reiterate, the Spurs losing like this is, is not a, a good sign of, of things to come, for the bench at least. And, again, I know that they weren't playing ever, all the starters, and I understand, and I get it. But like to get blown out like that is uh, is kind of a kind of a worry sign for me at least when it comes to the bench players. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about the NBA, Andrew? Well, I just yawned and it felt in my entire. But um, yeah. no, I mean I I think I think you're overreacting. Um, I think when David West and Andre Miller are going up against Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook, and you only lose by 19, your team is freaking amazing. Okay. 24 right. and 12 on the road is still the second best road record in, in the NBA. The Warriors have 
five or seven road losses, obviously, because they're undefeated at home as well, and they only have seven losses on the season. But, you know, it, it, it's just a – I think that was an amazing game by the Spurs to play the team with the fourth best record in the entire NBA with half of their roster and only lose by 19. When the other team was on their A game, the Thunder played great. So I don't think it's yeah. a big deal. Um, I think the Spurs are still my favorite personally to come out of the West. But I guess we'll yeah. see. I, I guess we'll see. Well, we brought up a good point. When we were talking about this. We were playing 2K yesterday, and I brought up this point to you about – I went to the mall yesterday for the first time in, in, since Christmas, really. And um, I was I went to the lid store. I'm one of those. I wear fitted caps. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube videos. I wear a Sonics fitted cap for most of the time when I do my shows. But I have a ton of other hats. I have a ton of baseball hats, all that kind of stuff. And I went to Lids, and I was just curious to see if there's a hat out there that I would go get and whatnot. And, and I, when I went there, you're talking about the Spurs and the Warriors, and oh my God, there are Warrior hats everywhere. And I know, and I, and believe me, they're winning, they're fun to watch, they're entertaining. I get it, I understand, and definitely people want to jump on the bandwagon and, and, and you know, but you know, cheer for a winner. And I get that. But at the same time, it's like, look, like, and, and I know we're kind of the minority when it comes to, you know, the, the caring about the game and what it's all about and everything. But, and, and we know that the Warriors are definitely a very good team, and they're definitely entertaining to watch. They're historically great. But what's funny is, is like what the Spurs have done over the last 20 years, it's only been starting to get recognized over the last couple of years, two, three years, because, as we've mentioned, they're not as entertaining to watch as the Golden State Warriors. They're they're definitely entertaining from the standpoint of pure basketball, the purity because of the way they pass, the way they play, the way they implement their defense on top of the way they implement their bench players. It is very entertaining from that perspective. But from a from a from a visual perspective, from the standpoint of them shooting from outside and and, and getting to the rim and, and being fl- uh, flashy, they don't do that. They don't do any of that realistically. Um, I mean, they, they find ways to beat you and they beat you the right way, but it's not very entertaining, but they have also kind of contributed off of the back of the Golden State Warriors, at least when it comes from the standpoint of entertainment, because they're really the only other team that can compete with the Golden State Warriors as of late. They really are. And, and outside of that, I mean, and obviously the Cavaliers, obviously the Cavaliers and the East can, but outside of those two teams, I mean, that's really been, you know, the, the Spurs have never been in the popularity limelight, but they're kind of coming up here a little bit with the way that they've been playing um, because they, I mean, when you're 61 and 12, it's, uh, it's really tough not to watch because it's, first of all, it's great basketball and it's the way it should be played. Uh, you know, a lot like the Warriors out, outside of the part that they shoot uh, all outside all the time, outside of that, the, the Warriors are a great team, everything else they do. Um, and then the Cavs are still a great, people knock the Cavs because of the whole LeBron crap going on, but realistically the Cavs are still great. They won last night too. They dominated the, the Knicks. 107 to 93. LeBron had another triple double, um, and they went 107 to 93. 52 and 21. And it's so funny because we mention this Andrew all the time, but this team is 52 and 21, and they are literally sleepwalking through the Eastern Conference. Look, they're right now they have quote unquote chemistry problems, and they have quote unquote issues in the locker room, and they have problems, you know, with all these you know quote unquote around everything, and they're still 50, 51 and or 52 and 21. I mean it. It's laughable. Like, this team is absolutely sleepwalking through the Eastern Conference, and we know they're going to sleepwalk through the Eastern Conference playoffs once they get in there because once that, the playoffs start, all this drama is going to go away. So it's just fascinating from the perspective of, you know, this Cavs team is being looked down upon as they're not greater than that. Look, 52-21, and 21, if it wasn't for the Warriors being historic, if it wasn't for the Spurs being historic, they would be in the same conversation as the Spurs and Warriors. And what's so, what's so interesting 
And you have media members talking about, oh, LeBron's bringing up stuff that LeBron being a baby, LeBron being this, this, this happening, that happening. It's like people, if they had won 10 more games this year, they would be in the same conversation as the Spurs and Warriors. They would also be in a historic conversation. The only thing teams right now in the NBA who are at historic levels are the Spurs and Warriors. If they had, won, if they had been normal teams and not been stupid crazy, they would be 55, and, you know, Spurs might have 55 or 53 wins, 54 wins. The Warriors might have 55, 56 wins. It wouldn't be outlandish to say that the Cavs are having an unbelievable year. 52 and 21 is still a great season. Six losses at home is still unbelievable. I mean, that's still great basketball. And people just look at it and they're like, ah, but it's not the Warriors and the Spurs. Yeah, it's not. It's not because what the Spurs and Warriors are doing is, is clearly beyond historic, and people are just kind of brushing it off like, ah, oh, we'll see this every year. No, you won't. You won't see what the Spurs and Warriors are doing every year. This won't happen ever again. We won't see this ever again in the NBA. And what the Cavs are doing, you could see it every single year. You could. And, and that's a good thing because that's, norm- that's normality. There's no pressure on the Cavs to, to succeed, and they're still a great team. So think about this. Think about it from this formula. The Cavs playing great basketball still with quote-unquote chemistry issues, wait till they clean those things up prior to the playoffs and they have no pressure on them to succeed from the standpoint of they're not historically great, from the standpoint of they're not historically, you know, the Spurs or Warriors and what they're doing right now. They'll have less pressure on them to succeed in the postseason from the standpoint of they don't need to win the title to prove anything because they're still great. They obviously need to prove it with LeBron. But from the standpoint of, you know, if they don't win the title, it's a choke job. Like, if the Warriors don't win the title, definitely one of the biggest chokes in NBA history. If the Spurs don't get to the Western Conference Finals, one of the biggest chokes in NBA history. If the Cavs don't get to the Finals, yes, I understand it would be a choke. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't a historic season for them, like from beginning of the season to the end, like the Warriors were. You know, it wouldn't be like, oh, they definitely choked down the season because right now they have quote-unquote chemistry issues, and if it would have happened, people would understand. They're going to get to the Finals anyway. There's no, we all know that's going to happen. And if they lose to the Warriors and if they lose to the Spurs, who's to say that that's, who's to say that that is not unexpected considering those two teams, their seasons they've had, who's to say it wouldn't happen. So the Cavs are still playing great basketball. It's just people, people overestimate how good the Spurs and Warriors are because they've been historically good. You can't knock the Cavs for that because honestly, what the Spurs and Warriors are doing is beyond great and historic. So uh, I just want to get your take on Andrew, what's your take on that? No, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't agree that there's no pressure on the Cavs. I think there's enormous pressure on the Cavs simply because it's LeBron. But right. I, I'm also with you from the standpoint of the Cavs. You know, the other two teams are historic. We're never going to see two teams that good in the same season in the same conference again. Um, definitely something to keep your eye on. And, and it's going to be more interesting come playoffs when the Cavs aren't on cruise control and we see what playoff LeBron does this year. And, you know, we kind exactly. of saw playoff LeBron in the last few games, and he's averaging, like, almost a triple double. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be Cavs versus one of them in the finals. And anybody who thinks different is kind of just hoping the Cavs don't do it. But, yeah, I mean, I was I was ashamed. I had Pistons fans talking about how we can beat the Cavs. And I was happy. <laughs> hey, hey, let's – I love the confidence, but let's go get the seventh seed and play the Raptors where we actually have a chance. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it's – keep your eye on not really anything too important but I do think there's pressure on the Cavs 
Oh, right. I mean, and like I said, there is pressure, but it's not like the Warriors and Spurs where it's like if they, those two teams don't meet up in the Western Conference Finals, you talk about some serious choking by one of those two teams. And if one of them don't get into the NBA Final or even win the title, like, they, like it's one of those things where if the Warriors don't win the title, it's a choke job. Like flat out, choke job if they don't win the title. If the Spurs right, don't get right, to the right. NBA Finals, it's a choke job. Right. So, but for the Cavs, it's like if they get there and they lose to the Warriors, I don't think anyone would think that the Cavs didn't succeed. Because, again, the Warriors – are probably going to break the Bulls' record here. All they got to do is go 8-2 and two the rest of the way, and they break the record. That could be doable. Then they have to win the title to really prove they're the best team. So it's kind of a, yeah, different narrative. But anyway, back to the point. Uh, Nets and Pacers. Look, the Nets have been playing well lately. I think, and this is just, this is what I think. I think the Nets are playing great basketball right now because, honestly, I don't think they want to see the Celtics get a good, good draft pick. I honestly think that's why they're stepping up their game. They now have 21 victories. They're 21-51, and 51, and they're finding ways to win games that they really shouldn't win. They should not have beat the Pacers last night. They should not have beat the Cavs a couple nights ago. They should have not be competing in these ball games. But I think they're trying to win games so that they can just get the Celtics to not get a draft pick that they would have. Look, the Nets are still going to be in a top-five draft pick situation come the lottery. But you cannot sit here and tell me that the Nets are not trying to boost their draft ego so that they can find a way to get the Celtics to not get the high pick. It's just that needs to happen. Like, and that, I feel like that, that's what they're pushing for, and that's what these players are pushing for. And it's really sad that they have to actually stoop, stoop to that level to take on teams on a bad night and beat them to try and get themselves to lower their draft uh, stock. It's just a flat-out joke. Um, it, it's just a flat-out joke on to how that's going on. Andrew fell off the line. His phone died. Uh, we'll get him back, uh, obviously, tomorrow. But uh, Bulls and Magic. Magic win 111-89 to against the Bulls. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to turn into, look, if the Bulls don't turn it on here in the next week, if they can't win, have a winning week this upcoming week, if they lose, like, two more games in the next week, I, I'm done. I am done with this team, and I think that we will see – I think that we will see the top teams in the uh, – I think we'll see the top teams – in Eastern Conference that are there now from 8-1. to one. We'll see those teams be in the playoffs from here on out. Raptors beat the Pelicans 115-91, 49th event win of the season for the Raptors. They get it done there. Hawks beat the Pistons 112-95. Pistons 39-35. They're two games away from being a 500 team automatically this season. The Hawks are 44-30. and 30. Cavs, again, like I said, beat the Knicks 107-93. Jazz beat the Timberwolves. They're still in that eighth spot, 36-37, playing good basketball and finding a way to stay in the postseason hunt. Timberwolves out of the postseason now, 24-49, 84. They lose 93-84. Spurs lose to the Thunder, like I said, 111-92. Thunder get their 51st victory of the season. Hornets beat the Bucks 42-31. Or, excuse me, they're 42-31. and They win 115-91 over the Bucks. Celtics beat the Suns 102-99. Isaiah Thomas, 28 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Big-time numbers for the small guy there. And the Celtics and then the Trailblazers hand the 76ers their 64th loss of the season. The, the Sixers are now 9-64, and 64 and the Trailblazers are now at 38-36 and 36 as they win 108-105. to 105. Games tonight in the NBA, obviously no games on national television due to the Elite Eight. Nuggets and Clippers, fun game there. Rockets and Pacers, fun game there. Mavericks, Kings, that'll be fun to watch the Marcus Cousins and Dirk Nowitzki. The Warriors and 76ers, they're playing tonight. This might be the greatest disparity in NBA history. Both teams combined have 74 wins. Think about that. The Warriors have 65. The 76ers have nine wins. They have almost the exact opposite. Look, at the 76ers are 3-34 and 34 on the road, and the Warriors are 34-0 and 0 at home. You might see the biggest blowout in NBA history. The Golden State Warriors are favored by 21 and a half. I think the Warriors win by 40 tonight. 
I'm telling you, I think if the Vegas line was at 35, I still think people would pick the pick the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to absolutely destroy the 76ers tonight. I don't think the 76ers scratch 90 points. I don't think the Warriors score less than 130. I think this is going to be an absolute blowout fest for the Golden State Warriors, and they should annihilate the 76ers. And if they don't, then clearly there's something going on in Golden State because the 76ers should not be anywhere near this Golden State team tonight, as it's the biggest biggest disparity in NBA history between wins and losses. And the Wizards and Lakers play tonight in Staples Center. Kobe Bryant only has about 10 games left in his career. Definitely go watch that if you get the chance. For It might be the last time you see Kobe ever uh, in a Laker uniform here over the next couple of days. So, obviously, Lakers and Wizards play there. Wizards trying to fight for their lives to get into the postseason. Well, that's our show for today. Obviously, a lot of technical difficulties late, but we're here for you, and we're going to get it going again. This is the Hooper's Lodge. Episode 104 is in the books. Episode 105 will be tomorrow. We'll recap all of the Elite Eight, and we'll talk about the Final Four over the week and talk about what could happen as things go forward. And we'll get back on the NBA train starting Monday, uh, uh, starting Tuesday, realistically, on Episode 106. Episode 105 is tomorrow, same time, same place. For those of you going to church, for those of you enjoying your Easter holiday, please, please enjoy yourselves and, uh, and be safe. Uh, also, go watch the Elite Eight games. They're on in about a couple hours. For those of you listening to the Apple Podcast, thank you again for listening. For those of you listening live, thank you again for calling in or if you're trying to listen and whatnot. We enjoy you. Obviously, episode 104 in the books, episode 105 tomorrow. Thank you again, everybody. Have a great one. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs>